The Collegiate Ministries podcast is a resource presented by collegiateministries.com and is funded by the Young Clergy Initiative of the United Methodist Church. Production support is provided by Wesley's Revival. For more information on building just, vibrant, and inclusive ministries for college-aged young adults, visit collegiateministries.com. You are listening to the Collegiate Ministries podcast, where we discuss what just, vibrant, and inclusive campus ministries can look like in the 21st century. My name is Derek Scott III. I'm the Executive Director of Campus City Wesley Foundation in Jacksonville, Florida. And I'm Rich Havard, the pastor of the Inclusive Collective in Chicago, Illinois. We are your co-hosts for this season. Let's reimagine campus ministry together. Hi to our listeners and welcome to this episode of Collegiate Ministries podcast. Today we're discussing uh, really three key components of starting and restarting campus ministries. Evangelism, organizing people uh, towards a goal, and leadership development. And we'll be chatting about these things and how they relate to this season in the midst of a pandemic and in a particular grievous moment or a flashpoint concerning racism and the killing of Black people by the police. So we're really excited to have some good friends with us, two United Methodist pastors here, Nathalie Nelson-Parker and Tyler Sitt. Um, we're excited because uh, we believe they've got experience and insight for this conversation that's going to just be really helpful for all of us. So how are you friends doing today? Phenomenal. So excited to be with you both. Rocking. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. This is going to be good. Awesome. Well, Natalie Tyler, would love to just hear uh, just a little bit of who you are, what you're doing right now, your social location, um, and anything interesting about you for our listeners. So maybe we start with Natalie. Sure. I am Natalie Nelson Parker. I am first generation American, the proud child of two Jamaican immigrants. <laughs> yes. <Rocker. laughs> uh, I serve as the program coordinator, and I like to say curator of the National Network of Young Adults, which is an initiative of strengthening the Black church for the 21st century, um, which is housed at Discipleship Ministries. And it is a United Methodist Church agency where we are training, recruiting, and developing transformational leaders uh, between the ages of 18 and 35, uh, predominantly uh, African-American and ethnic young adults, um, as they hear, discern, and respond to God's call in their life. Awesome. Thanks, Natalie. What about you, Tyler? Hi, everyone. My name is Tyler Sitt. I'm a United Methodist pastor in South Minneapolis at New City Church. Uh, I use he, him pronouns, and I am the son of an immigrant as well, Natalie. Whoa, whoa. Um, my dad is from Hong Kong. My mom is the daughter of German immigrants. Um, yeah, so New City Church is an almost entirely millennial ministry, probably 90-95% millennials. Um, and uh, we're, we're kind of a fun group. We're <laughs> racially pretty diverse. We, the racial demographics of New City Church match the racial demographics of the city of Minneapolis almost to the percentage point. Uh, probably 40% of New City Church identifies as some type of queer, <laughs> some type of queer, love and uh, <laughs> don't we all nowadays? <laughs> and um, and probably sixty percent of New City doesn't identify as active Christians. So they're either previously Christian or were never Christian, but are kind of exploring things, feeling things out. 
Um, and so my ministry uh, is, is predominantly millennial, but there are significant um, uh, Gen Z relationships that are developing. And I think that like one of the reasons why Rich and I have been such um, fond conversation partners about this is the resonance between church planting work and work with young adults. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm just excited to have all of you here at this. I think this is going to be an incredible conversation. Um, I am wondering if we just get started and, and kind of zero in at the beginning on the specific word evangelism. Uh, depending on who we're talking to, that word comes with a lot of images and probably a lot of baggage. Uh, I think some might even be allergic to the word and to the practice. But if, if we just reduce it down to evangelism about being the proclamation of good news, good news that's for all people, then I think that there's something in there for us to think about as we think about ministry to college-aged young adults that is just inclusive and equitable. And so I'm wondering if you both could just kind of respond to that word, maybe redefine that word, and maybe even talk to us about what it means to share good news to the world in, in a way that is that really does embody the inclusive gospel that we all believe in. So whoever wants to jump in on that, just that large discussion around evangelism. I kind of talk about it in different levels depending on the person I'm talking to. But what I say in New City, which again is a community where a lot of people are very new to church or who have been burned by the church, is um, I at least want to empower people to make informed decisions. I get messages all the time from people who are like, man, I really wish that New City Church was around six months ago when I started going through my divorce or uh, two years ago when I started coming out, or <laughs> I really wish that New City Church was around before I had to move out of town from my job. And uh, I get these messages all the time. And I go back to the community and <laughs> like, we're not allowing people to make an informed decision if people don't even know that an anti-racist, LGBTQ affirming Christ- version of Christianity exists. Right. So at the minimum, evangelism is like, I'm giving you uh, I'm empowering you to make a choice of the actual faith communities that are out there instead of assuming that you don't want anything to do with that. Wow. So that's um, kind of the the first thing is like, if you believe in choice, then, <laughs> then this is the option to do it, right? Mm. The second thing, and this is a little bit more theological, is, um, you know, uh, throughout the Bible, when it talks about um, the gospel, the gospel is this good news, but the gospel specifically um, it can refer to the announcement that is made after a battle to a kingdom. So for example, if a battle was won, they would send a messenger back and announce the gospel like, hey, the king won, we're not all going to die. <laughs> and I think that um, that's not the only use of the word gospel, but that is one of the one of the definitions. And I do think that Um, When we're talking about evangelism, we're talking about the powers of the empire not having the last say in the way that the world works. And this is particularly relevant for, you know, New City Church is in the the same neighborhood where George Floyd was murdered. And I think this is a 
particularly relevant neighborhood to say like, hey, the brutality that we're seeing literally on our front step does not have the last say. And God has a bigger vision for us that God is constantly inviting us to live into. Mm. But I love, I love not only how you lay that out in a practical and theological sense, but the authenticity of understanding that evangelism, no matter what church, no matter what city, no matter what backdrop, it's an introduction and an invitation. And I think so many of us, when we think about evangelism, particularly in the westernized, colonized way of looking at it, that is, I have come to save you. <laughs> I have come uh, to right, 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 right. <laughs> to show you the way that you don't know. And I really think it's a it's a basic, practical introduction. Mm-hmm. It is introducing people to the good news of Jesus Christ. And so in that sense, what if we demystify and kind of take out all of the loaded things that we attach to evangelism and say it's friendgelism, right? It's (laughs) building a relationship. Friendgelism. I love that. (laughs) A new new term was just coined. (laughs) Yeah. Way to go, Natalie. Right. On a basic human level, we are introducing ourselves and building relationships with others. So whether that looks like on a college campus, through a campus ministry or in our own communities, we are giving an introduction. And and the greatest scripture I think we see that is Jesus at the well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, I already know you, but let me take some time to really build relationship with you. So one, I think it's an introduction on a human level of seeing people and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, but it's also a vehicle of relationship building that leads to transformation and discipleship. Right. So once you know, not just my name, but who I am and you've introduced me to this amazing um, experience, whether it's through church, whether it's through uh, a campus ministry, how are you building upon that introduction and building a relationship that is transformational? Um, So if evangelism is the short term goal of connecting and building relationships, discipleship, is that long-term goal of mm. creating the way, right? So after yeah. Jesus has that encounter with the woman at the well, she goes <laughs> mm-hmm. and says, you need to experience this. And so much, so many of our campus ministers, churches, we're so infatuated with the experience that we forget to do that long-term relationship right. building. Yeah. Say that. Um, totally. That's so, so life-changing and, and life-giving. So good. And I, I would love to now locate w- what you two just said. I mean, I just, I think that we could actually camp out just on the stuff that y'all just said, and just unpack that. But I'd like to now locate it in this moment that we're in right now. So we are in the midst of COVID, not really post-COVID. I don't know exactly what's it, but we're in this COVID moment. And then we're also in this moment of heightened racial awareness and racial tension. Tyra, you just mentioned that New City Church is, it 
same neighborhood that George Floyd was murdered, okay? And so, and Natalie, I know that you're hanging out in Atlanta. Richard Brooks, is that, is that my friend's name? Yes. Like, so we, we I don't know. If Aubrey, not too far away. Exactly. And, and I, don't, I don't know that we, it's good for us to take evangelism and put it over here and not think about these very critical moments that we're in right now. So I'm wondering if you could respond to how evangelism looks right now whether it be thinking about social distancing, thinking about this pandemic and how it's affecting people on the ground, or whether it's really inviting people into um, a posture of anti-racism and action towards reconciliation. How, How would you say evangelism really finds its place in this moment that we're in? I might be, you know, writing a check that I can't cash, but for me personally... Mm. Gone are the days <laughs> that we can say as a church, as a, a mm-hmm. body of believers that we don't see race. Mm-hmm. Gone are the days that we can say mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what color you are as long as Jesus's blood is red. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Those days no longer exist because that that kind of speech and language disconnects us from the reality of so many human beings in this mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And excuse me if you say that, but your privilege is showing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, amen. Yeah. And so we have to lean into the uncomfortability that a part of being a whole person, a whole believer, a whole person that ascribes to the belief of Jesus Christ, that we need to address the real injustices that have not only showed in our society, but have showed in our church, in our denominations, and in our world. Yeah, yeah. And so as we are having conversations about what it means to evangelize, what it means to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world in this time, we must address the issues that are happening and the injustices that are happening. So I think any conversation that's talking about evangelism must first uh, deal with the, the issue of race, one, understand theologically where you stand in that regard. Mm. Who do mm-hmm. we say that we are? Mm-hmm. And how are we creating spaces that all people are not just seen and tolerated and represented, mm-hmm. but that equity and asset-based equity mm-hmm. is there? Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the type of conversations that are happening now that feel so different um, in a way that they weren't happening before. And Tyler, I think you can add because you're so intentional because of your social location in curating that space on a consistent basis that I think a lot of congregations have struggled with for so many years. Yeah, I've never said this or I've never put these thoughts together, but I think that evangelism is the naming of a reality Mm. and and an invitation to live into that reality. And what I like about what you're saying, Nathalie, is like, hey, 
newsflash, in case you missed the past 400 years, we're living in a reality <laughs> where God cares about race and mm. God cares about people and communities being anti-racist. Yeah. And until uh, we can announce a compelling reality, I don't think we can really expect people to come to our ministries. Like we, do, we don't deserve to have people at our ministries unless we're willing to name the reality of God's hope for the world. And so I, re- I really appreciate you bring that up, Nathalie. And I think that um, typically for church plants, the type of thing that you do to get people from the neighborhood is what? You rent the bounce house and then have a giant jump off bounce house, right? Like you, you cook, you do the cook off in the park, you do like these giant um, acts of kindness events kind of things. New City Church didn't do any of those things. We did not rent a bounce house. Um, instead, we started sermon series about issues that we felt like were the most pressing felt needs of our community. So we um, launched our first sermon series which, you know, in church planting literature, they say your first sermon series should be something that's really, uh, like, really compelling, like a sermon series, like finding your way back to God or getting back into the church should be your first sermon series. New City Church's first sermon series was about gentrification. <laughs> and we had a okay. standing room only attendance Come on. of people yeah. who were like, well, hold up. The church, not only is the church acknowledging that gentrification is real, which is like a very felt need in our, in our neighborhood in particular, but the church can offer solutions that aren't present anywhere else in society. That's something that I'm interested in, right? So we had like a, a really big launch and then and continually the most well-attended, most highly participated events in New City are like, the least sexy, but the most brutally honest conversations that we can have about faith and society. Because when it comes down to it, young people want to know that the church is seeing the world that they are looking out at and that the church is finding a way for their lives to be um, more abundant and full when it feels like everything is scarce. Right. That's good. It reminds me of um, Sung Chan Ra, who's a professor at a seminary in Chicago, who he was a church planter. And he, his first series was on the book of Lamentations, um, which like, you don't hear that very often, right? Like come to our new church. It's going to be a series on Lamentations. But step right up, step right up. Right, right, right. But he's basically saying something similar to Tyler's, right? Like to, what is uh, to, 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 to evangelize is in a way, like we need to tell the truth about um, what has happened in the church, what the church has done, et cetera. We need to lament before we can move forward, um, which is a step that often gets skipped. Um, but that, that's really powerful. Nathalie, were you going to say add something too? Yeah, what both of you are saying is making me so excited. I'm literally like double ducks trying to jump in. <laughs> but I think so many times we, we, we have this vision of the angelic, you know, halo white Jesus. <laughs> right. Like, guys, let's not reinvent the wheel. Jesus was anti-racist, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. A thousand snaps. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's go back and see how Jesus did it. And Tyler, as you wow. were, were as you were talking, that just resonated with me in such a powerful way. Because really 
whether you're planning a church or in our instance where we were kind of mobilizing a network and building relationships nationally, we just use the Jesus model. One, send out an invitation. Two, ask the right questions. (laughs) Mm. Then listen. (laughs) Wow, 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 wow. And after you listen, and I think that's what you did. You, you saw what was happening in the neighborhood. You heard the stories. And then you empower people to be a part of that. And you give them the theology, the language to situate themselves, not complicitly in what's mm-hmm. happening around them, but to be empowered and co-create um, mm. where God is calling them to serve at this moment. And understanding that that is the work of God that that is the spirit of God in the midst of our communities in a very tangible way. Um, And we see that so often through Jesus's ministry, whether it's the side of a mountain, whether it's at a well, whether it's in someone's house, he's asking the right questions and listening intently. And that cannot be separated from your race, your social location, your gender. All of those things are the intersection of our faith. Um, and, and we have to understand holistically, if we're going to evangelize, if we're going to disciple, that we can't be blind, deaf, and dumb to those realities. Yeah, that's good. great segue into another um, piece I want to explore is around Jesus was like a master community organizer, right? Like Jesus organized people, power, et cetera. um, And then the early church until now for a common goal. And I'm curious, both of you do community organizing in some ways, like either for justice or for church growth or for large events or leadership development, like you're all organizing people towards a a particular common goal, which sounds a lot like uh, discipleship. Um, so how do you both think about um, faith-based community organizing and what can tools like that look like for college students? As we're, we're especially talking about, Derek and I, about the starting or restarting of, of college ministries where you're getting a few people and then helping organize them toward, toward a mission. So what does that look like today, especially in this context we're talking about? Yeah, so um, one of the experiences that I really learned from when I was launching New City Church. Um, This was probably four months out from a launch. We were doing monthly gatherings. One of my, uh, one of the members of my launch team teaches yoga and I teach Zumba. And we heard all the time from people, "Uh, Tyler, I just wish that you would offer fitness classes and we would love to take your classes. So we dedicated a whole month to uh, faith and fitness and we launched a very cute little social media campaign and we offered yoga and Zumba classes. And there were a total of three people who participated in anything for the entire month 
And one of those people was an intern who I forced to go to those things, right? And another one was rich. Right? I was going to say, I think I was another one when I visited. Yeah. So we're up to a tally of one person who didn't have to be there. And I, and I thought that was so insightful. It was the worst attendant thing that New City Church has ever done. I thought it was insightful because we had designed it to not be, we were worried about being too Jesus-y, too faith forward or talking about God too much. And so we wanted to create a neutral, quote unquote, like non-faith space. And what we realized is that when we try to compete in a non-faith space, there's a ton of other groups that do way better things. Like we're in South Minneapolis. In order for someone to get out of their apartment and drive to New City Church, they would pass like five yoga studios, like a jillion Zumba studios who are doing both of those things way better than we possibly ever could. The only thing that the church can do best is witness to the love and freedom of Jesus. (laughs) And like, I think that that's really important because in terms of, I mean, I'm, I'm trained as a community organizer. I love, love, love community organizing organizations, base building organizations. And like there are, you can't walk a block in South Minneapolis without passing a community organizing group that does community organizing way better than we can. But what New City can do is witness to the love of God and connect how the love of God necessarily results in justice and that changes how we move in space and time. Mm -hmm. And like, whenever we emphasize that, things always go better at New City. And whenever we start doing this, like, let's reinvent the wheel thing inside of church, it always goes poorly. So I I think, yeah, church, just, you know, play to your strengths. (laughs) Well, And I think Tyler, like one of the pushbacks to you, I I could imagine some folks would be like, when you, when you go that hard, and I've heard you say before, like at a conference a couple years ago, it was like, we are best when we do churchy things. So let's do churchy things. One of the pushbacks is where you're going to scare off people who aren't churchy, but what you're experiencing, and I would say what, what I'm experiencing too, in the inclusive collective is actually, that's not true, is that people don't want something watered down because you, you said the stats earlier is what you say, like 50% of your folks are not identifying actively as Christian. And so right. actually the robustness of what you're doing is drawing them in rather than pushing them away. Absolutely. And I think, yeah, I think that kind of the one-two combo for that is like, one, just be really churchy. And two, have visible and influential leaders who disrupt the narrative of what people think church is. Yeah. So like New City Church is almost entirely led by queer people of color. And I think that when people see that and hear about that, all of the assumptions about what church is, is already disrupted. And that c- creates a type of intrigue of people wanting to lean in to learn more. Right. That's good. So there's two things about that. One is authenticity and transparency, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so many things about church and traditional forms of leadership do not engage that type of being. Um, And the reason I believe that is because whether it's a predominantly white uh, environment or predominantly black or whatever spectrum in between, if we uphold structures that center whiteness, 
we will always get yes. <laughs> the intersecting powers of right. nomination that comes along with that, whether it's sexism, classism, racism. Totally. Unity, right. And that's in right. any context because predominantly black context can still have white supremacist ideologies and structures. Sure. And so when we set out to do the national network of young adults and similar to you, Tyler made an intentional decision that we're going to center the voices of black millennials between the ages of 18 to 35. We tore down so many obstacles to seeing yourself and affirming yourself just by taking that stance. And that allows people to bring their entire selves in a room. So many times, particularly in churches that are traditional, it's like, you know, it's okay if you are the way you are. You just don't have to say anything about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Jesus only loves me from my head to my belly button. Like the whole, my whole body doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> right. So we have to create spaces that are authentic, that allow people to be transparent and whole. And when we do that by decentering whiteness, by decentering traditional forms of leadership and allowing people to be transformational leaders, we automatically are co-creating a different way of being. We're automatically subverting power norms. We're automatically... um, creating communities that are developing leaders that are whole in themselves. And I think that's what people are looking for right now, particularly um, millennials and young adults. Yeah. And and that takes, I mean, just Natalie, I remember a couple of years ago, maybe last year, like you made a courageous decision, right? When you were, you were planning the, the, the national event. Um, and you chose for the main speaker to be Bishop of that Flunder. So we're talking about a national event for the United Methodist Church um, where you said a Black queer woman is going to be our lead speaker. And that's the kind of courage that I think also excites people, right? To be like, okay, this is bold. This is a big decision um, that you're going to do. Yeah, and we have to be comfortable with what that means. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Me. As an African-American woman under the age of 35 Uh who looks around in the national stage and there's there's no one else that looks like me. Mm. Right. Mm. And understanding that when I make these decisions and when I create this space, that I have to deal with whatever the pushback is. Right. And that's the courage of bold leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's the spirit of that Jesus walked in. Yeah. Right. That yeah. that's the spirit because you know playing patty cake with what's happening in society right now. Those days are gone. Say that absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Come through. Yes. <laughs> wow. So um, y'all, for our, our as we wind down uh, our closing thought, I want to read a, a short paragraph from the book Another Way by our mutual friends, Stephen Lewis and Matthew Williams and Dory Baker. A great book. And um, Stephen and Dory were on the podcast um, as well. And um, they um, um, are talking about the book a little bit in that episode. But um, the quote is this, um, and then I want to ask you a question about it. New possibilities often arrive in grand visions. We imagine alternatives as expansive portraits of a desirable future. 
Yet bringing those colorful worlds into being takes place one brushstroke at a time. Grand alternatives require attention to granular details. We are often overwhelmed in our attempts to facilitate change because we fail to shrink the task. Failure to attend to the next proximal action can lead to burnout if our passion overwhelms our capacity to enact the vision of the change we seek. So um, in a sort of like tweetable or tweetable plus form to campus ministers uh, listening uh, in, what would you say to them as as a next, uh, as a possible next proximal step if they're trying to build the ministries we've talked about today that have a liberative leadership, that are are organizing people towards a common goal, that are doing evangelism in ways that, that attend to the world as it is and invite us to envision a new thing? What would be a, a short piece of advice um, that you all would give people? Um, Nathalie, would you want to start? Um, I would say one, pray and become very clear of who God is calling you to be and how God is calling you to be. Um, and once you get that clarity, identify those persons, not in a representation sort of way, right? We, we have to have 30% this, 30% that, 30 But gather that ideal audience and listen. So one, you're going to pray, get some clarity about who you are, who God is calling you to be as a community. Two, you're going to gather um, that ideal audience and do some deep listening. And then three, understand that you're providing a solution to a problem. You're building a community. (laughs) That is providing another way, <laughs> not to the book, <laughs> right. mm-hmm. not to the book. And some of that is intellectual. Some of that is deliberate. And another part of it is just figuring it out and doing life together. Um, and so in those three steps, take off the fact that it has to have this numbers. We have to do, you know, some of the, the churchy things that, that show us improve success and really deal with the day-to-day building relationships in a transformational way. Yeah. And, and as you do that step-by-step step, uh, yeah. or brushstroke by brushstroke, yeah. you begin to figure it out. Yeah. Amen. Tyler, what um, next steps would you suggest? Yeah, I'm, I'm having to practice serious restraint because there's like seven things that Natalie just said that I think are golden but you all can just scrub back on the podcast and listen, listen more. <laughs> um, I would say um, next steps are to, um, to center marginalized voices in your society. So do a power analysis of who are the most uh, uh, oppressed, marginalized, historically um, brutalized uh, people in your society and figure out a way to listen to them and be accountable to them. And the witness of your ministry having a presence among the most marginalized people will speak to the good news that God is trying to proclaim. And from that witness, the, the authenticity and, and the validity of your ministry will lie in the ability for you to speak to a new world. So do like the opposite of, of what corporate jargon would tell you and like go right to the bottom, right? Like go, like go out to the margins 
and then like we'll look around and see what Jesus is doing. Mm. Wow. Y'all, this is like a two notebook episode right here. Just like notes on top of notes on top of notes. I mean, just so much good stuff for us. So Natalie, Tyler, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate you bringing your insight and your experience and just your, your, your spirit uh, to us. Just so much good that you shared today. Thanks so much, friends. Collegiate Ministries podcast is a resource presented by collegiateministries.com and is funded by the Young Clergy Initiative of the United Methodist Church. Production support is provided by Wesley's Revival. For more information on building just, vibrant, and inclusive ministries for college-aged young adults, visit collegiateministries.com.